0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame, Eric with Jared Mack on the show, and holy hell, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that is yeah. Uh, Oregon walks out of. Ohio Stadium, a.k.a. the Horseshoe, with a 35-28 victory. And, look, I'll be the first one to admit I'll eat crow. I was not thinking this game was even close to happening. I didn't think Oregon would win. I had zero confidence they would win this game. And we all picked Oregon to lose in this game. Uh, I mean, I picked them to cover the spread but lose. I think Eric picked them to lose and Ohio State to cover, yep. and you picked Ohio State to to win and not Florida cover, cover yeah. and so none of us thought this game would would be in favor of Oregon, and not only did they win, it wasn't even like a come-from-behind win. It was they controlled the entire game. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of Ohio State getting the ball, marching down, I don't know, getting 30 or 40 yards on their first drive and punting, Oregon getting 30 or 40 yards on their first drive and punting, mm-hmm. Same thing again for Ohio State. I think Oregon's second drive, they scored a touchdown, and from then on, it was Oregon. And I think that that that's so surprising to me.
2: They led every moment of the second through the fourth quarter, except for about a three-minute sequence after Ohio State tied it. Yeah, actually, about four minutes. It looks like um, super impressive. I mean, like yeah, and as Matt says, just like on the like yeah, I'll eat crow too. I was wrong. I did not yeah. think they would win this game. I thought it would be competitive. There was no moment where Ohio State created separation. Yeah, this didn't happen. No, there was none. It was impressive. This didn't happen. And then Oregon led basically wire to wire um, once points were scored. And I was just really impressed with the way they did it because it wasn't like they were, you know, it wasn't like they win because they relied upon some Ohio State mistakes. They won because the defense made a bunch of stops on fourth down three three times. They turned them away all three times. So they could have gone for points. Think about how that. Think they about size the players. first drive of the game. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, the forward, they go for it. They go for it. We're going to boom. turns awesome. it off, And then Veroma McKinley finishes it with the interception. And, uh, you know, it's just a really, really impressive win. And we'll talk about it throughout the show. And now going forward, this sets Oregon up to legitimately be in the middle of the College Bowl playoff
1: mm-hmm. talk.
2: And when the new poll comes out, um, which could in theory be out when you're listening to this, I think. Because um, I think it comes out Sunday this week. Last week it was delayed because there were some later games. Um, I think Oregon's going to be one of the five... Or six top teams and there's maybe an argument that they should be one of the top four teams. This is the best win anyone has on their resume right now. Um, and <laughs> none of us saw this happening. Here we are. This could be a really special season.
1: I, I And the the fact of the matter is, is they were straight up, like you said, the best team. They they were yeah. considerably better than Ohio State. And they did it without probably the best player in college football, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yep. And Probably a future NFL draft pick first-round player in Justin Flo. Yep. Like, two of their four,
0: five? The two highest-rated recruits they've ever signed in. Yep. And then probably two of their top five defensive players. Yeah.
1: And you could argue yeah. that, I mean, there was a little bit of a, dro- a drop-off in the pass rush, but you could legitimately argue that if you didn't know that Kayvon Thibodeau was hurt and that Justin Flo was hurt... It, the defense flew around and played as if they were always out there.
2: This is where the depth of recruiting yeah. came to play, yes. right? Yes, um, yes. They are playing guys that are third or fourth preseason on the depth chart. I think about this, at inside linebacker. I think I tweeted this out right before the game. Isaac said IT in the spring was the first team will linebacker. He transfers. Drew Mathis started the set the Fresno State game, gets hurt in that game. He's not available. Justin Flo is the fill-in, leads the team in tackles, 14 tackles. Not available for this game. They're playing Keith Brown, a true freshman who's really talented. I'm really high on his future. Not a guy we expected to be contributing right now. And Nate Huculiani, a former walkman who I think is now on scholarship. Those are the main fill-ins at inside linebacker. And like Matt said, I don't think there was a huge drop-off to these guys. I mean, obviously, they're not Justin Flo. No one would say that. But, like... They didn't, like, Oregon held Ohio State on the ground way better than I thought they possibly could. Probably better than I thought they'd hold them, even if Flo and Thibodeau were playing. I mean, they ran right. for a
1: 128 yards. Yeah, and on a 31 attempt. a
2: bunch times. of those were on, like, one run play, like, 25 of those, maybe, on, I think it was a Mayon Williams. Run. Right. Yeah, Mayon's long of the day was 21. 21. So, if if so. you
0: take that out, he ran for 13 attempts on 50, 56 yards. But four quicker. That's not bad. I will win you a football game. It yeah. sure will. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right on the linebacking core. I thought it was impressive that there wasn't an obvious newbie mistake yeah. where yeah. you looked on the field and you're like, okay, well, that guy should not have been on the field when that play happened. Yep. Uh, but their, their defense, they tried their hardest to slow down all Ohio State wide receivers. It was never going to happen, but they didn't do a terrible job. They kept it close. They kept... Uh, they honestly played a lot of flat zone coverage and yeah. kind of soft coverage, but that was okay. They just didn't want to get beat. They had Ohio State had one explosive play over forty yards, and that was a forty yard, forty one yard gain, which was on like a, a quick. I think it was a quick slant or something. My prediction like
2: that. for those listening pays off. I predicted one mm-hmm. 40 yard or more play. Never. There it is. One um, really impressive that you have one play over forty yards when you give up four hundred and eighty four passing yards. Yes. It's a huge number, and you look at it and you go, oh, man, they must have gotten roasted in coverage. And it wasn't, like, they definitely got beat a little bit because Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are, like, top draft picks, and then the guy who I didn't know a whole lot about, Jackson Smith. Nenjigba. uh Had, like, a humongous game. But he's a five-star second-year player. Like, there's so much talent at receiver he's over dead, there. Yeah. Um, I, I know the numbers are there. Well, I would say it's three receivers over 100 yards. Um, they threw for three touchdowns. But it took them 54 passes. I was passes. just going to
1: say, they also threw the ball for 54 times yeah. in this football game. There was no
2: balance, and that was the difference. We talked about this going in for Oregon. Oregon, 38 rushes, 35 passes. Ohio State, 31 rushes, 54 passes. Mm-hmm. Oregon made it so that they had to rely on C.J. Stroud. Stroud played a good game, mm-hmm. I think, overall, but it wasn't enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, and when you look at the box scores, and you see that Stroud threw for 484, three touchdowns, and then you go across the box score, and you look at Anthony Brown... he's Mm -hmm. 17 of 35 for 236 and two touchdowns. And he did run the football um, 10 times for 65 yards. So you have to factor that in as well. But it's like Anthony Brown's completing 50% of his passes. He throws a couple touchdowns. He's in the low 200s, you know, throwing the football. And yet I, I look at that game and my first reaction is Anthony Brown was by far the better quarterback. Between the two players,
2: I mean, he's definitely a lot better than people thought he was yes. this week.
1: Yes, and, no and we said on the show that you know if this game was going to be played in the in the thirties, <laughs> Oregon would
2: win. We were wrong a lot. Yeah, yeah we, were, we didn't we were think it would be. Right.
1: We, we didn't think it was. You know,
2: well, we said we thought Anthony Brown had to have his best game ever. Yeah, not even fifty percent passing. Yeah, no, and they won by seven. It was impressive. I mean, and
0: the I thought when, going back and looking at the box score, one of the most impressive things was that he hit 11 different receivers. Yep. And mm-hmm. that included... D.J. Johnson, who played tight end and defensive end
2: today? Should we just, like, let's just... This is, like, kind of out of the flow of the conversation, but, like, one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen covering a team is D.J. Johnson getting what is probably the game-winning catch to extend the drive, like, to basically make it so Ohio State's going to get the ball back with very little time, and then he gets the game ceiling, the final play of the game, the sack, on defense, within 10 minutes of real time. I mean, that's just crazy. maybe less. Maybe less. You're right. Probably less. Let's see. He caught... What time was that catch? Uh, um, But, I mean, regardless, the fact that they have to go to a DJ Johnson to be playing on the defensive line, like, wow. Wow. And it works. Um, They had Brandon Buckner out there. I mean, like, here's a couple of things they did. Um, DJ Johnson plays tight end and defensive line. Brandon Buckner, who did not play at all, was, like, uh, rushing in, like, key fourth quarter plays. And Jeffrey Bossa, a converted safety, was playing inside linebacker. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that was going on in Oregon beats Ohio State, and it doesn't even look like, <laughs> right. and it
1: and it, it's crazy, like what Jared said, like there was no like newcomer mistake. I no. mean, this no. team played so poised, and I wish we got more time with Ball to ask him this because I was yeah. going to yeah, I agree. was how much does the Fresno State game and the fact that they had to come back in the fourth quarter, they had to get multiple stops, they had to get mm-hmm. multiple scores. How big of a factor was that in this game? Because look, we like I even said it myself. They should have beaten Fresno State by three scores. They, you know, it wasn't a blowout when it should have been. And those are great, but the moments that they had in that game under pressure, I think, paid off in this mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. immensely down the stretch. I mean, it, it, we've said it at the beginning. Like, I think this is the big, the biggest program win in the regular season in mm-hmm. program history. Like, I can't think of a bigger game in the regular season in which Oregon won.
2: I think as an isolated individual game, not in the realm of like Oregon beating Oregon State to clinch his yes. national in Yes, national championship, yes. 100%. This yes. is like an isolated game. This is the most impressive and one of the most impressive I've covered. And just like here's a couple stats that I think stood out. Every 13 Oregon players touched the ball in offense from plays from scrimmage. That includes Anthony Brown running. All of them had at least one play over 10 yards.
1: Jeez. Mm-hmm.
2: Pretty impressive. Oregon had one negative play all game. One tackle for a loss all game for Ohio State, the entire game, and that was a one-yard loss by Travis Dye and I think the second quarter.
1: I tell you, Micah Pittman, Johnny Johnson, don't catch a, a single pass all game. You think they probably lose?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and that's what happened. They did, they they didn't catch a single ball.
2: Yeah, Johnson dropped one actually, and, and we should note like the the, the, the the there were a couple drops late that felt like they could be costly. Didn't matter. Yep. not and I think that's
0: a huge difference from where this team was probably in 2018 and 2019 to now, where one of those drops. Might have resulted in the team getting down on itself and kind of mm-hmm, thinking, yep. "Oh, this is this is where it happens again. This is where the game goes sour." But I think that's a testament to the coaching staff of Oregon and how they've you know, prepared all their players and have prepared them for this this big of a moment. Where, and you know, it was briefly talked about in the postgame for a little bit, but this was the first time a lot of players on Oregon's roster had played in front of a crowd. Yeah, And not only in front of a crowd, but in front of the shoe with 100,482 fans in attendance. Nailed it! Good job. Nailed it. Big brain. But they were up to it. They were never flustered. I think Anthony Brown mentioned that the only time they went to a silent cadence was at the very end of the game Mm -hmm. when things were getting a little close and a little hectic and it was very loud down there. But it was very impressive that all of them were... Situated. They were the calmest ones in the room and they did their job.
2: Huge credit to Brown. Huge credit to Oregon's offensive line. Yes. Which we haven't brought up today. Massive nice um, credit. I mean here's another stat. Ryan Walk was amazing. Ryan Walk was incredible. Very good. Uh for those that have been trashing him in the offseason, he should be playing. He's probably responsible for two of their three rushing touchdowns in terms of just sealing the edge. At least. The seventy-seven yarder, like that was that was him.
0: Not all Ryan Walker, but, but he that was a, he was, was a big part of that. He was out
2: lead blocking a couple uh-huh. times on the left side. One, one of the stats I've I shared the no tackles philosophy about this CJ Verdell had as many yards on his 177 yard run as the largest rushing total for anyone on Ohio State. matches it. Myon Williams also had 77 yards on 14 carries. Mm-hmm. CJ needed it on one. And like, we talked about the offensive line. I think CJ Verdell, we've mentioned Anthony Brown. We can maybe do more Anthony Brown love later because I think it's deserving. He was. Really, really good. Like, like, I think Oregon has a pretty decent quarterback, mm-hmm. but C.J. Verdell twenty carries, 161 yards, two touchdowns. This is another one of those. Actually, here's a. I'll toss it to you, Matt, because you made a good point in, uh, during the game of like it kind of had shades of Utah Oregon Pac-12 championships 2019, especially in the first half.
1: Yeah, I just I felt like in that 2019 championship game, a lot of people were picking Utah to win. I think all three of us thought Oregon would win, um, but. The general consensus among most people in the media was Oregon was the underdog and they came out and, and from start to finish kind of dominated and it was a CJ Verdell like star breakout type of a performance and that's kind of how it played out in this game as well for Oregon I mean he had two rushing touchdowns he had what was it a 100- hundred and I'm trying to find 161 yards rushing. He had 34 yards receiving, plus another touchdown. He, I mean, he scored three touchdowns. Like,
2: that, that should have been a rushing touchdown, if you ask me. Yeah. yeah. It was a pitch the that pitch. counts for Forward, forward, pitch. forward yeah, pitch. Kind of helping yeah. Anthony Brown's stat line. But sure. Cool. But nonetheless, <laughs> I
1: mean, 195 yards of total offense and three touchdowns, and it was a game in which he ran hard. I mean, you pointed out they only had one negative play in the entire time, and I, I can't remember – a play in that game where C.J. Verdell is getting tackled and falling backwards. I mean, right. he he fell forward almost every time, and it would net him three or four extra yards because ju- of it. I
2: was just gonna say, I'd love to look through this box score and see what the sh- like the shortest run he had all day, because you're probably yeah. right. It's probably no at least less than four yards, five yards.
1: So I I was I'm just utterly impressed by. The offensive line, how they performed. Anthony Brown, how clutch he was every single time. Mm-hmm. The receivers made play. I mean, Troy Franklin made that like yeah. unbelievable catch as uh, he's the, getting his bobble yeah. That
0: was impressive.
1: The running backs were awesome. The tight ends were once again terrific. And I mean, they played uh, everybody. They, they uh, played yeah. everybody, and we have to we have to acknowledge you know Cam McCormick. Uh,
0: they
2: all they all caught a, caught, caught a ball today. Yeah, Every single one I'm sorry. You brought up Cam McCormick. Cam McCormick catches a
1: pass, and so you know, sad. unfortunately, he gets hurt, and it, it doesn't look like it's going to be yeah. a minor injury. It looks pretty serious.
2: Yeah,
1: it does. But the fact that, was that a big grab, yeah, it was a third down. I think in like out of their own end zone. Yeah,
2: basically, like from the five. And it was a 15,
0: 16 yard grab to extend the drive. Yeah, 16. And
1: I, I, I think how they used their tight ends, <sighs> the RPO game, mm-hmm. just destroyed Ohio State, which was awesome to see I mean it's evident that they were holding a ton of stuff back against Fresno State Mm -hmm. and now we know why because this the complexity of the offense was phenomenal (laughs) for what Oregon did
2: I'm really excited to go rewatch this we have not done that full disclosure um we'll do that probably right after we finish recording this and then again on Sunday I'm guessing um but like the offense did some fun stuff. Like, some really fun stuff. Some really fun wrinkles. The rap tree was different. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the runs were different. Um, loved how they... A lot of pulling guards and tackles in the run game, which was, like, extremely successful and because those guys were out there decleting guys out in the yeah. open field.
0: And a decent amount of off-tackle runs, too. A lot more off-tackle. I think we saw two or three of. just like, like a 25...
2: Tackle between the tackle runs in the yeah. opening game, and there were, I, they, I'm sure there were some in this one, but it, I would say it was pretty close, to like maybe sixty forty split. I don't, know, I don't, we don't have data on this, but it wasn't like they ran it between the tackles a lot more than they ran off tackle. I think what Coach or Offensive
0: Coordinator Joe Moorhead did such a good job of against Ohio State was this slight repetition of the same play, yeah. but each time it was a different variant. So it would be like an outside pitch to the left, and then they would get in that same formation a couple plays later, and then it would be an RPO pass to the tight end. And then they'd get in the same position, and then it'd be an RPO pass to somebody else. It was just providing enough consistency, but a different variant to get the Ohio State defense off balance. And I thought it was just a very excellently called play just in the second half in general, because then it turned into a damn shootout. The second yeah, half. second half was ridiculous. It was absurd. I think the
1: yard per play average. <laughs> yeah, you
2: mentioned
0: that.
1: I think Oregon at halftime was like five point three, and Ohio State was at four point five or four point six or something of that nature. And by the, by like the seven or eight minute mark of the third quarter, both those numbers jumped up to like yeah. eight and nine yards In per the play. half,
0: Ohio State averaged seven point four yards per play, and Oregon averaged seven point two. Yeah. So if I told you going into this game that (laughs) Oregon would go uh, toe-for-toe with Ohio State's offense for an entire half, and win the first half, I don't Mm -hmm. think a lot of people would believe you. No. Including us.
2: I wouldn't have. No, we said before Oregon's best shot of winning this game, we thought was if it was a rock fight, I I think your term you used, Jared, if it was like 17 to 24 point winning score. Yeah. No. No. I, I, I picked Oregon to score 21 points. I was... My bet was wrong by the middle of the third quarter. This offense is—it's got some stuff. Pretty excited. I'm pretty pretty excited as someone's going to watch this team and cover this team all season. That there's some fun stuff with this offense that I think each week we're going to notice fun things that are twists and wrinkles that Joe Moorhead does every week. And seeing Anthony Brown and these players grow in this offense is going to be really exciting.
0: Feel, I began to feel bad for Stony Brook after the game. <laughs> because I think I think Oregon's gonna go into that game with this new expanded playbook where they've ran plays in game and against yep. Ohio State and seen that they've worked and might even put some new plays in there, some new folds in the playbook. So I kinda feel bad for Stony Brook. Well
2: yeah, I mean, they went 1-3 in their spring schedule playing FCS football and uh, lost 31-3 to at Delaware. Mm, uh, and they're oh, going to go
1: to Eugene. They the lost game. 31-3 to to Delaware today? No, this was
2: in the spring when they played their spring, oh, spring okay. schedule. Um, Powerhouse. They just aren't very good. Blue Hens?
1: And, Isn't that uh, the Delawareers? I think that's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you lose to a team called the
2: Blue Hens by four scores, <laughs> and you're going to go to Austin Stadium. I'm going to pull up what they've done thus far this season. Maybe there's been drastic improvement. They did beat Colgate 24-3 to today.
1: Go, go, Colgate toothbrush team. Yeah, toothbrush team. Uh, Donald Foyle,
2: I think,
1: went to Colgate. Injuries. um, We don't. (laughs) We we don't really know what the long term prognosis is with Justin Flo, with Kayvon Thibodeau. I I do think um, Crystal Ball post game was not really. Asked specifically about their injuries, I I was hoping to try and ask that at the very a- last I minute, and I also tried to raise my and hand. And w- w- we just ran out of time to, to talk to him, and unfortunately, we're going to have to wait till Monday yeah. to get a better confirmation on that. A lot of national media. Yes, there was a lot of national media at this at this event, um, and they wanted to make sure that those people got their questions in as well, which I understand. Um, but I don't think listening to ball mm-hmm. talk about like the impact of those injuries, it, hearing him talk, it doesn't sound like they're both viewed as 100% definitively done for the year. Um, yeah. Like it, it, Watching Kivido walk around, like I, I don't think he had a boot on at the end of the game. Like,
0: did he have a, I don't think he had a boot, boot on the No. I don't think he had a boot all the day. So
1: That's I think right. it was a case where it was like, hey, we could play you against Ohio. This is just me speculating, but it was – hey, we could play you against Ohio State, but there's probably a really good chance that you hurt it even more and you're not going to be healthy for the next two months and your impact is going to be severely... You know, downgraded, or we keep you out two weeks against Ohio's Day, against Stony Brook, and you're back and ready to go maybe against uh, Arizona for the Pac 12 opener, or maybe Stanford the, the following week after so- something that. Something like that. Yeah. They don't
2: need them the next couple of weeks. And if they actually if they got through Stanford, they go into their bye week. You right. could not play these guys for like the next four weeks if you didn't want to. Now, as but for
1: flow, we don't know. All we know is it sure it happened during the game on Saturday against Fresno State. Yeah, Mario and, confirmed that today. Yes, and then he didn't tonight, know about yeah. it until, like, Tuesday. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I've got quotes. Do you want to read some of this? Yeah. So one of the things I think, just, just in terms of what's, like, their long-term thing, Mario did not say at all. He gave no timeline. He did say, it's a shame that some of these other players are banged up right now. I think you guys are in for a really special unit once these guys get healed up. Yes. So, right there. Get he's, healed up. That means yeah. he's expecting they'll be back at some point this season. Right. Um, which I found to be pretty encouraging. Uh, the Justin Flo quote, let's see, he said, no one knew until Tuesday something that had happened during the course of the Fresno State game, um, which is interesting because Justin Flo was, like, all smiles, yeah. having a great time in the Fresno State post game, talking about how great he, this season was going to be, how much better mm-hmm. he was going to get. Unbeknownst to him, he had some kind of injury that kept him out of this game, and we don't know how long, and we don't want to speculate on what it is because the rumor mill was just—it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. ridiculous yeah. it was I mean, ridiculous. we
1: heard—we heard he was out for the year. We heard he was going to start. We heard—I mean, everything in between—from people we trust, from people we have never even heard of. I mean, it was everywhere. Obviously, it ended up being true that he wasn't going to be playing in the Ohio State game, which is highly unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But I—I I really think this win means so much to this team, to this conference, to this coaching staff. Without these two guys out there, like it's still a monumental win. But the fact that they went in and did it without two of their three, four best players, incredible. Mm-hmm. and the and the manner that they did it, it just makes it so much better. Which makes mm-hmm. you really think, like, like Cristobal says, like, once these guys get healed up, they are. Potentially, I mean, a college football playoff caliber defense.
2: We saw it for a quarter against so, Fresno yeah. State. Yeah, awesome. when KT was out there, the defense was flying around, making plays, forcing turnovers. He leaves the game and the it shifts. Dangerous. Um, three other. <laughs> Bring this up. Three other linebackers got hurt
1: today, though. Yeah, Crystal Ball did note it was a sort of very
2: costly it was. game. Mace Foon, he got hobbled. He said I didn't see when that he happened, been, but he, he was not. In a boot. was yep. he was not in on the field at the end. Trevon Maai left. I think he might have come back though. He
0: did. Yeah, I saw. Keith
2: yeah. Brown uh, looked like he pulled the hamstring. Mm-hmm. Like pretty, it was one of those like yes. he ran and grabbed it immediately. He did not come back. So I mean that's three. Brian you know,
1: Addison was on the on the sideline with a shoulder injury. A another one. It was getting significant work there. Um, McCoy Cam McCormick, McCormick it looks pretty significant. Like, like he was being consoled or, you know, former players or current players were going up to him during the game in the second half trying to, you know, check in on him and, and whatnot. So that that's another one that
0: yeah. is. I believe uh, at the end of the game, Adrian Jackson was hurt. It looked like just cramps. Yeah, yes, he did. You're right. Uh, no, I'd
2: forgotten about that. Yeah, I think it was cramps. I think they were stretching him. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, for Keith Brown, his mom tweeted out that it was cramping. So It was cramping and not a hamstring? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, All right, works for it me. Just, it, looked, it was the definition of that, grab the yeah, hamstring. Grab so must me, have been yeah. a hamstring
2: cramp. Good, that's good news. Mm-hmm. I mean, just overall, though, they're they really They're really, was, shallow. They're really yeah. thin right now at linebackers. Yeah, Cristobal linebackers. said they
1: had no bodies, and <laughs> they just did not have enough guys. And, you know, this was a game in which... If this went to overtime or if there was another quarter to play, Oregon probably loses just because they don't have the bodies mm-hmm. to sustain the level of play that's needed mm-hmm. to win this type of a football game. Which So, it, Saturday against Stony Brook is going to look funky as heck because I'm, we're going to see so, so many guys so out there. I like so. It's going to be an opportunity for guys like Jeffrey Bossa, Jabril, McNeil, mm-hmm. if Keith Brown is healthy. like if Could we I, see the other
2: flow? Yeah, like if uh,
1: I'm more, maybe if I'm Morgan, I don't play Noah Sewell in the in in the Stony Brook game. Like you play a little, keep him healthy, yeah, sure. so that you don't run the risk of him getting hurt because you need him. Yeah. I mean, he was all over the place. Verona McKinley, was,
0: he was down in the field after after a hit. Yeah, could have been. Oh targeting. yeah, <laughs> it was another one. Was like, oh my gosh, CJ Stroud. Everyone's hurt now. But Yeah, yeah. He excuse came me, Noah on Alava. Was Chris yes. Alava. Yeah, could have been targeting. Could have been
2: targeting.
0: I'm not sure what the rules. We won't get into that.
2: Let's. I think we know, but
0: whatever.
1: Let's end the show with with this discussion <laughs> point. Are are we all in agreement that this team now, like the expectation, is you get to the playoff. Mm-hmm. Like, they they won't play a team as talented on paper, and you are close to what they just faced against Ohio State. They don't play USC potentially. The only way they would is if it's in the conference championship game. And and I look at this and think this is a they have to playoff yeah you know, mm-hmm. that's the expectation now that they, they are at that level they've they've gotten the win they, they need to that's what that's what the expectation moving forward for duck fans should be is get to the college football playoff
2: you talk about talent Ohio State according to the team talent ranking is on 247 sports which takes into account recruiting Ohio State third nationally Oregon is ninth from here on out on their schedule the best three teams they play are Washington which is 17th nationally Uh and UCLA and Stanford 23rd and 24th nationally is not on the schedule they're 10th but they'll potentially play them in a conference championship game if both teams get there but my point is what Matt said is 100% accurate like Ohio State is leaps and bounds more talented than anyone else Oregon's going to play all season until they get to postseason play okay. the expectation is now and we talked about this, by the way, at, our, at dinner, and Jared brought up the point, it's the right one, is, like, they they now have kind of a mulligan game. Yes. They can yeah. drop a game here. Now, they can't drop it to anyone, probably. Like, if they were to drop it to Arizona, or, like, something weird happens. Maybe well, even they're Stanford. If they were to drop it <laughs> to Stanford, like, that would really hurt, but... Yeah. Like it maybe that looked at differently, but they could lose at UCLA and at Utah, assuming those teams stay, like, continue to play at a high level. Yes. And go into the College Football Playoff twelve and one, and I think they'd get in. Like, it'd be, like because they again they're going to have, assuming State, Ohio State as good as we think they'll be, and they go and win the Big Ten again, they're going to have a win that is better than just about any other win in the country.
0: This is the exact opposite of the twenty nineteen season. Yes. Where Oregon loses to Auburn, they have to go undefeated. Because no Pac-12 team is going which to Which no one has
1: ever done that before in the conference when it's 12 teams.
0: Mm-hmm. Nope. 9-0 has never happened. But now Oregon has this win over Ohio State, which is probably going to be the best win of the season in the Pac-12. Yeah. There, there's the no other Well, there's not even an opportunity. Unless good. Colorado beat Texas A&M today, which they close. didn't. It was close. It was close. It was almost close. a very good day for it the Pac-12. <laughs> but... That'll probably be the best win for the Pac-12 all season long. Yeah, it, and it already is.
2: They can't. There's not another win. On, there's no other game scheduled that could be better. Right. Period. Like they just isn't.
0: And they have the ability. Well, they don't have it, but they they can drop a game and still be considered for that uh, that College Football Playoff. If they go 11 and one with a win over Ohio State and just some quality wins in the Pac-12, that's a really hard resume to say, nah, that's okay. Because then at the end of the season, they're going to look back and say that team won at Ohio State without Game Up the bill. kind of feel like this without is a Justin weird
2: ball. year, though, too. I feel like there could be a team could that gets some like, couple year. losses. It just feels funky the I'll first couple that. weekends. That's yeah. what I mean. I know, like, Alabama's not going to lose twice. Um, I don't think they're going to lose. I mean, like, Clemson's already lost. Are they going to lose another one? Possibly not.
0: Then yeah, the SEC
2: stinks. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I mean, maybe it's not going to get that wild, but, like, you just, some of the scores these last couple weekends, like, you meant, like, like Texas a and probably should have lost at Colorado, who's, like, the eighth best Pac-12 team. Like, that's not overly impressive. That's a team that's going to lose some games this year, I would think. And if they don't, like, that's great. for I me. Mean, if the Texas Ms having an awesome season, like Colorado's the eighth-best team in the Pac-12, that's pretty impressive for the league's resume. Right. Yeah.
1: I think that's going to do it. I mean, hell of a game for Oregon. Impressive performance uh, by this team. They are now 2-0. and um, I'm of the belief that they should probably be 3 or 4 in the country um, and when the rankings come out on Sunday morning. Yeah. I think they sh- they'll they probably have... I'm not saying they are the best team in the country, but I, I'm not going to be surprised if they have a first-place vote next to their name by somebody. Um, this is a signature win for Oregon. This is a signature win for the Pac-12 Conference, and we'll discuss this later this week on the show, but this is also the win that Mario Cristobal needed to yeah. shut up any doubters that he is just a recruiter and not a coach that can in game uh, coach his, his football team. So yeah. this is a monumental win. We've got a ton of stuff up on DuckTerritory.com. Uh, I highly encourage you guys to go check that out. We'll have a lot more stuff that comes out uh, today into Sunday, and then you know as we co- you know complete our coverage on Monday of this game when we speak to Cristobal again. Hopefully we have more information on injuries and and whatnot. So we will. Yep. So stick with the podcast. Until then, you've been listening to the and Audible's podcast.
0: Talk to you later, folks. Peace.